Welcome guys to the Do Good Podcast. I'm your host Rob Watson and in today's episode I'm speaking with Alex Mackay who is a Five Rhythms teacher um, and I've really been interested about getting Alex on the show for a while. I've been to a few of her classes. I got into Five Rhythms myself. Um, I'd known about it for a few years but only kind of delved into it maybe seriously last summer and just found like huge benefits from it so rather than me try and explain what it's about but first of all thank you Alex I really appreciate you taking the time out today. Oh it's great thanks yeah really nice to have a bit of a different creative invitation like this you know. Okay so so for anyone who's new to Five Rhythms uh, if you could just it'd be great just to get like an, an overview of the practice and and that's just so the listeners get a bit of an understanding of it. Yeah exactly so it's a movement practice or you know dance but it's not any steps to learn anything like that it's uh it it kind of follows a natural flow so there's five sections that we move to and usually it's with music with really great music so kind of makes it quite easy and accessible for people to kind of get into it and join in with one thing and then another so it starts with flowing and people are finding a way to follow the flow, get into their body, find what is continuous. And some people really love that way of being and they could carry on like that all day. But some people think, oh, I want the next bit now. And then a bit of a beat comes in. And so for some people, that's like a relief, you know, to find the kind of movements where it's the rhythm of staccato. We're moving with the beat, finding some edges, getting a bit funky. And uh, that builds up with a bit of momentum. And uh, the, the kind of high point of the wave is chaos. So uh, in, a lot, in a lot of culture, our culture, chaos is quite unwelcome. We might not want a big stormy scene to disrupt everything, but it's really great to have a part of the process that is helping us to let go, let go of a bit of stress, shake off some tension, let go of thinking that we know everything. And uh, after that, there's a kind of bit of open space in us we're not feeling so weighed down so flow staccato chaos and then it opens up into lyrical which is less effort a uh, bit of ease some bit blissful maybe if you're lucky on a particular day and then that comes down into stillness so with there's a kind of aliveness in stillness where we might be moving in a very spacious way, might be more like meditation and the breath becomes important. And uh, we're moving through those five rhythms in that order. Sometimes it could be more than once or there might be a certain emphasis on one of those rhythms in particular. But that's the practice. We sometimes call it the wave that we move through that wave together. Beautifully said. And um, sometimes people... I would say to me, well, I'm going to a five rhythm class and how, how, what's that? And real intrigue in it. So I'll just basically take what you've said. <laughs> you can describe it in so many different ways, you know, and it's quite hard to pin it down, which is part of its beauty in a way. Yeah. I remember the first time I went, I'd heard about it for a few years and then I went to a class and it was just, I felt phenomenal euphoric and I think there's obviously different times you go depending on what state you're in but that yeah. was just what I needed at that time and I came out and I quite like doing physical exercise and this one it was a quite a warm summer's night so I came out and I was dripping head to toe <laughs> a big smile on my face because 
And it also remi- it reminds me very much of like when you see kids and mm. you see them running around in the garden and they're just loose and they're free and they're yeah. like bouncing on the trampoline and they're rolling around doing cartwheels and, and then sometimes emotion will come out of them, they'll cry and then next minute they'll be jumping up and laughing and they've just moved through a lot of energy. Yeah, I think as adults, we don't associate it with that. We just look at them and think the kids are being kids. And then as we grow up, we put ourselves in these boxes and we live these quite lives which we conform to a lot of things. And, and then, yeah, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of things get stuck in us then. You know, we That's right. There's a real suppression of that joyful, natural way of being that you're describing there that a lot of kids have. Uh, where, you know, we have got a lot of pressure on in various ways and it can just stop us from being able to let something in in the first place and then express how we feel about it and then let it go, you know. So instead, we're carrying all these things around in us and they might end up sort of, you know, you can almost see it in people's bodies, weighed down or tense or whatever. And it's like things get stuck there in the body. So sometimes... uh, when I'm watching people dancing over weeks or months or years, you can see that what's, what's been there in their physicality start to loosen up and change. And uh, a kind of, you know, a lot more freedom or fluidity come through, you know, really beautiful to see, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was first in it and, this, and the good thing about it, there's all ages, all sexes, yeah. all races. It's not, you know, it's completely open. It's not like, say, I don't know, if you went to a specific dance school, it might be relatively young people in that really are trying to. And what I really like about it as well is it's not, there's no competition element to it. It's not like there's, it's not look at me, you know, no one, it's not there about like that kind of feeling. It's just like you can just be you. And it's really refreshing that in this, in this day yeah. and age. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, some people kind of have to go through this a little bit of that that self-consciousness at the beginning. They're feeling like, well, what is this? And, you know, how do I look compared to them or something like that? But as far as I've seen, you know, over a long time of teaching, it doesn't last that long. That self-consciousness, it might come in and out a bit, but hopefully you get swept away with the music or with one of the the instructions, just even something as simple as paying attention to one part of the body and seeing how it goes. And you realize that you're not thinking about how you look anymore because you've given your attention to something else. And that's really something, that's one part of the practice that I think is really helpful for us during this lockdown time that um, we we can realize and remember that we've got a choice as to where we put our attention, you know, so like, if we put our attention all the time in uh, finding as many like fear, fear-filled stories as possible, you know, or if we put all our attention on, well, what is there in the fridge, you know, then we're going to be stuck in one of these ways of being. And to just even remember, like in the warm-up, how it is to really give your attention to your head and then how it feels to move it to the shoulders, something just as simple as that can remind us, oh, I've got a choice. I can take my attention somewhere else. I can take it to, you know, going out into the garden or I can take it to clearing some space for myself, something like that. Yeah, I think it's really important to bring that awareness. Often we're trapped in our heads a lot, repetitive thoughts or patterns, the ego's firing off, all these things that we could be doing, should be doing our day. 
And it's nice to just bring that awareness into the body and feel into the body. It reminds me, have you come across John Zabbat Zinn? Who's, uh, right, he's like a Zen, Zen teacher, really, meditation teacher. And he does these amazing body scans where you can just, and my wife goes on the Zoom calls now. He does it every day. About a thousand people tune in and, and listen to them. And he's just got that really peace awareness to him. But it's always just about bringing yourself back to the yeah. present moment and bringing yourself into your body. And he'll do these scans, which are from your feet, start from your toes. And it's just bringing that aliveness to the body. And that's why I associate with this. But obviously, there's a lot of movement in it as well, which in a way for me is even more transformational because you really yeah. allow things to move. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very simple in a way, like, uh, you know, the, the map through, through how to move. Uh, and how things do move and change is quite a simple thing but within it there's so many there's so many possibilities so many layers so much to learn and uh, discover and uh, it's different at different times so there might be a phase where like uh, for instance at one time the staccato rhythm with the beat I was always a bit resistant to that one, you know, and it would get to time to that. And I think, oh, I just still want to flow, you know, or, you know, I wasn't sort of called to that one. And then in more recent years, that's been like, I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for a bit of clarity and uh, for like a bit of get up and go, you know. So it's really interesting to see how these things change over the years. And uh, this our relationship to each of those five rhythms as well as to our own bodies really changes over time you know? yeah, it is it's very transformational and I remember after I started it I, I did a bit of searching online and I know that you've studied with the founder um, yeah so I was really lucky to find uh, Gabrielle Roth as a teacher I was just finishing art school in Manchester so I was 22 and I've been writing about sacred dance, about um, the mixture of dance and looking for the sacred in ancient cultures and then also in modern times. And then I found that this woman, Gabrielle Roth, in New York was um, really causing quite a stir. She'd written a book called Maps to Ecstasy. And uh, she was... Um, teaching a lot internationally and was very kind of uh, influential. She was a big rebel, you know, so she didn't necessarily fit into a lot of other um, pathways because she was really quite wild, very witty, very urban. She loved living in New York and uh, tracking the way that energy moved and uh, different themes came and went. She loved watching the weather patterns as well as the different sorts of music or whatever, you know. And uh, I absolutely loved working with her. So I first met her in London. Um, it was, uh, I think there were 200 people there on the a Thursday night and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday with 120 people. And I just loved every moment of it. I, it was quite a bit of live music. There was people from all around Europe and I fell into it completely absolutely loved it and so then about for about 20 years I was quite close to her when we were together I would only see her maybe once or twice a year and a lot of that time you know like I didn't necessarily have a car or a lot of things I would just any money that I had I would think yeah I'm just I'm gonna go to New York in January and I'm gonna um take this chance to go and see my teacher you know 
and uh, she died in 2012 and uh, that's been a different phase since then but I still really consider her my teacher I'm still learning a lot from the things that she said and the things that she uh, taught and uh, all those teachings are still coming through in me as a dancer and a teacher myself you know yeah it's very nice to hear a bit more background about her. Um, and do you talk very a little bit about the um, like the arc? Is it like the archetypes as well of of five rhythms? Um, so that that's like a particular kind of um, map within five rhythms. So the sort the sort of uh, the classes that you've been to that I've taught or that Claire's taught in Liverpool. Um, they're like the waves level. So that's like the main level of the practice is the physical because it's a, it's a movement practice, it's very physical. And then the next layer that arrives is called heartbeat. So some teachers, including myself, teach heartbeat, which is um, working very specifically with emotions with the five rhythms. So um, <clears throat> for instance, lyrical uh, links to joy, uh, but not joy as just one emotion but you sort of open up into into things like satisfaction gratitude generosity um pleasure there's so many different things that are all kind of different parts of joy and that might naturally come at that moment when we're dancing but to start to find our relationship with the different emotions so that's fear anger sadness joy and compassion so we work with those things and that's that's a great thing to do and can be very transforming you know um, and then there's another layer of the work called cycles where you uh, look at the cycles of your life so you see how flowing might link to the birth cycle like before you were born and when you were a little baby little little child and whether if your mother and your family were able to follow your needs and your flow then you can probably do that quite well in your life and if for any reason that wasn't the case then it's going to be harder to to know now um, what it is that you need to eat when you need to sleep how to look after yourself so that physical level really links to uh, early life you know and then staccato in a way links to childhood and when it's like how to have boundaries, how to make friends, say no to things, find out who you are and what the rules are, how to be there in life. And chaos links to adolescence. And uh, in our culture, that might go on for quite a while in a way because, you know, that adolescent phase where we're, we're more learning from ourselves rather than our, our parents and stuff. And we're finding out who we are. That, you know, that sometimes takes a while. So... And the good news is that maybe lyrical can link to maturity and we can have a whole phase where we, uh, we find how to love or who to love, you know, and how to offer what we've got to offer to the world. And life can maybe be a bit of a waltz or, you know, a bit of an, bit of an easy delight in there. And, and, and Gabrielle would see stillness as very connected to the death cycle, not that death is like a moment, but that there's a whole phase of our lives that, we're more in connection to the whole universe and less about the physical and the emotional and stuff that things start to become, you know, much more uh, spacious and universal and mysterious in a way so that then it becomes natural to let go of the physical eventually. So this is the, 
some different layers. And at the moment, there's just very few teachers teach cycles in the five rhythms world. And then another one is God, Sex and the Body. So great controversial title. And I'm one of the only two teachers at the moment that teach that workshop. So that's the one that is the archetypal workshop. So the idea of that is that we've got our dance practice as our kind of foundation that holds us and helps us to explore all of these things. And we're looking for the, the feminine and the masculine in all of us, whatever gender we find ourselves in this time around, you know. And we might find light and shadow in that. So um, Gabrielle very much grew up in the um, Catholic tradition. And so, and so she named the masculine archetypes as the father, the wild son and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and then she had these three feminine ones to put in, the mother, the mistress and the Madonna. So it's not the only map of the archetypes. We could look at all sorts of different, you know, we could look at Greek gods and goddesses, or we could look at fairy tales or whatever. But I've danced this particular way of looking at the archetypes inside us all so many times, and it's been so rich and valuable for me. And I love teaching that workshop. It's so great. So we can we can kind of go in together and find how the you know, like how, for instance, the wild sun in us. If, if, we're, if we haven't got really much of the mistress and the wild sun operating in our lives, then they're probably a little bit boring. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like without, the, without that presence in our life, things are maybe a little bit too predictable and steady. If they've totally took over our lives, then we've got the opposite problem. You know, life is like a total roller coaster the whole time and we're tipping over the edge of destruction and excitement all the time. So we're looking for how we can allow these, how we can allow the wildness and the fascination of life to be there in us in a way that's a bit more balanced, you know, and the same, the same with uh, all of those archetypes. So the last workshop that I taught before the lockdown came in was uh, in Barcelona. I had 80 people in Barcelona, had such a fantastic time teaching God, Sex and the Body there with people from lots of different countries. And we had a really kind of healing and um, transformative few days. Yeah. But I don't know when I'll be able to do this again, obviously. <laughs> well, hopefully not too long. Not too long. So you yeah. sound like you go all over then to teach. Yeah, so I never used to. I had a lot of years where I taught in Manchester, Liverpool, a bit maybe in Leeds and Sheffield and the countryside around, a little bit into Wales. Um, and that was quite just a organic, you know, like there'd be a load of people would come out, a car full or two would come over from the next place and then I might start going there. You know, it just grew very gradually. But in these last um, few years, like probably last seven years or so I've been teaching more and more internationally and it's just felt really great you know to do that after such a long time teaching to get these invitations and to um to turn up at a, a different community of dancers different culture as well you know it's very different say going to Italy I teach in Italy quite a lot and oh my god it's so great to dance with the Italians there they're so um they're so supportive of each other they're so passionate there's a, a lot of generosity and kind of excitement there you know 
um, and then you might go to a different place like teaching in in uh, Sweden or Iceland or something and uh, in a way that's a bit more like sometimes in the UK uh, or a bit more so that there's there's a bit more reserve there's there's different subtle things that might happen there's there's different surprising things that might happen that you can uh, witness from different cultures you know but I've really been enjoying uh, the traveling even the sort of in between bits of just being I've left home but I've not not got to the place yet and just having that sort of in between time I've been really loving and uh, meeting having very strong relationships with people all around the world is such a great thing I absolutely love it you know sounds like a wonderful life that you've created for yourself yeah well let's see if it um it comes back in a similar form <laughs> i know but i'm not sure what the, the new world's going to look like to be honest yeah. but i think um i'm seeing i've seen the good in it on the whole um yeah and depends which way i look sometimes got to be careful with uh, what i read and um the paths i can go down but on the whole i'm taking it as for me as an opportunity to to just be more still and to take this time to almost go into retreat into our homes literally and um yeah. take that time to to because you know this could be what a three-month window and you know i don't know how things will bounce back but life will go back to some way relative normality i think at some point but hopefully enough of us will learn um get a lot of lessons throughout it how we can actually transform our own lives and realize what's important that seems to be the yeah. thing for me what, what's really important what's valuable often really we've often put a lot of association on you know physical items as value in that but actually what what's really valuable you know it's our connection with people it's our own how we are our own state of being so um yeah i've gone off on a little one there with that but i think um yeah i'm sure a lot, a lot of people are finding a sense of community or if they've already got it they're really valuing a sense of community and some people are being surprised at help that is around there and so that's that's a very strong thing and there certainly seems to be the possibility of things like uh, more pedestrian areas or you know dif different connection between how people live in cities and move around the world and all those things you know um, so I'm, I'm hopeful as well um, and I'm also um, you know, I feel in a way, you know, I've, I've danced with chaos all these years and I've been interested in the unknown all these years, but I'm not saying it's not um, quite a stretch <laughs> to just not know when I'm able to offer my work again and uh, to not know. I suppose, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a way of moving outside before moving inside or maybe we'll need to be, be in much smaller groups with a lot of space or I'm kind of, I'm trying to just, get a first sense of what the next possibilities might be. And some colleagues in Europe are just a little bit ahead of us. So some of them are having that, um, I think like in Greece, somebody's running her first class again this week or something. So it's quite interesting to see how the different places are uh, starting to open up again and how that might be. Because obviously I, I do believe that um, movement and something like five rhythms that's kind of good for mental health and good for physical well-being and sense of community there's a lot of benefit in there but obviously you've got to weigh that up with the risk of uh, moving with a, a lot of people in a 
enclosed space. So we're just looking at what the next possibilities might be, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting you say that, especially for you and your, you know, the field with the dance on the dance floor, five rhythms, you become pretty close to the space that we do in Liverpool. If there's 40 of us in that room, it's, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're in very close proximity. Um, and obviously other industries, if they're just sat at a desk, it's much easier to manage to be say, okay, you yeah. sit there. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. And I know that, um, like for instance, Sweden must be completely different because they haven't really had a lockdown as such, have they? So um, maybe you can go and do all your classes over in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, I'll suggest it to them. I'm, I'm just moving over. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I just, you know, th- with the class itself as well, and I think it's important, like I just want to say to people, like, you don't need to be any sort of a dancer to do this. That's right, yeah. You know, there might be some people that I can, I can't, can't Occasionally glance over and be like, oh, they're definitely a, a dancer, dancer. You can see it in the movement and stuff. Um, but generally, you know, it's just people in any walk of life from any kind of, um, yeah, any skill level in terms of movement, whether they were enjoyed going out dancing at the weekend or they never had it. It's just that doesn't have to be yeah. a, I think that can put people off. I think maybe putting a foot on the dance floor because they think it's a dance floor and them. Exactly. A lot of people will maybe associate dancing with drinking. and Yeah. I mean, I think some people do come in to Five Rhythms sort of from the party route, if you know what I mean. They've In the past, they've always had a drink or been a bit out of it when they've been dancing. And then maybe they've got a bit older and uh, don't want to do that or they're in a different situation in their life and they still want that feeling of dancing. So some people come in from that point of view, you know. And then some people might come from something like meditating or doing yoga where they're coming, they've already experienced some of the kind of mindfulness or uh, ways of um, connecting the mind and the body and all of that. But they want more, um, they want a different physical relationship with it. So some people come in in that, that direction. And it's really interesting. I love it when there's a real mixture in there, you know, where you've got people in their 20s people in their 70s you've got people who know each other someone who's just walked in doesn't know what on earth's going on you know it makes a very rich uh, mix then for everybody because we can all learn from each other can't we you know yeah and you can i've built up some really nice friendships i haven't been going that long and i can see some people have been going for decades or more yeah um, um, but it's just it's so open so welcoming and you you know you build a connection with them even without speaking to them because you you're in that space with them but then afterwards you just it, it certainly feels like it pulls in a certain kind of individual but then there's still such a broad spectrum w- within that um, yeah. and something that's really interested me as well because i um you know i'll i'll do other practices like I'll meditate and I'll do other forms of exercise. But this for me so far is one of the things that I've found that seems to have so many different benefits within yeah. it. It's almost like the ultimate. And we do it on a Monday night and I say to them, I say to, them, to the guys in there, I say, there's no, there's no better thing to do on a Monday night. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Especially during the winter when you might be like, no, I don't want to go to the gym and just, um, or just sit at home and watch TV or anything, yeah. you know, it, it's just a great way for me to start the week and, and, to, and to set me up and stuff. So, and I, one thing, I remember watching a few of Gabrielle Roth's videos. I was really fascinated about it and I went onto YouTube and there's a few mm-hmm. stories about 
families who've gone there and they'd gone with like the daughters and one particular story, I can't remember, but she had some real um, blocks, health issues with her. And it was shown just like how massively this practice pretty much alone, they put it down to like not, not going into therapy for, you know, that can have a, there's definitely a place for that, you know? Um, and, yeah. um, but this was something, there's something really magical and powerful about it. And it was showing You'll know a lot more about this, but is there any examples that you can share with people where you've been like, wow, they've really made a huge difference to life? Yeah, I mean, exactly as you say, it's it's not therapy, but people do find it therapeutic, you know, and uh, Gabrielle Roth used to say, if you put the psyche into motion, it will heal itself. So it's not about somebody else coming in and, and being the one with the power healing you. It's like just having a space that enables uh, the individual to find some healing from things that have got in the way in the past. And so I have seen that myself in a lot of different ways. Uh, Friends who've, um, you know, had a very, a lot of difficult times as children, you know, and uh, ended up perhaps, um, for instance, some people end up really quite disconnected from their bodies, you know, so like their way of surviving when they were having a difficult time was to kind of disconnect from the body. And so then to see them over time, and it has to be in their own time, kind of gradually land more in the body and find sensation, you know, and find uh, breath in the body and find like a loosening and trust start to open up very powerful thing you know and to think of people who um have been have begun very 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 timid and sort of um uh needing needing their own space you know gradually finding ways to uh come right out and feel confident to express things um like uh also people who um like one of the powerful things in a way is because there's not really value judgments about these, these five rhythms, just that in itself can be very affirming to people. So if there's someone who's really quite a chaos person, you know, they've, they've just got a lot of that chaos energy in their essence and they might've been told all their life that that's kind of wrong. It's kind of messy. You know, you're kind of, you're, you're too unpredictable. You're too messy. You're too, uh, strange and then they might come along and find that uh to to be chaos to embody chaos a lot of the time is a beautiful way to be and they might suddenly discover the creativity in that instead of the destructive possibilities you know so i think it can be like that as well to just even have something named about yourself and feel how strong that is you know i've also seen people a lot go through quite long periods like say maybe periods of grief where that's the main thing that is what they wake up with every day and uh to to keep finding ways to move and to be true but to allow things to keep on changing and flowing uh really has supported people through some very tricky very tricky times in life you know yeah, that's incredible to hear. And I, from my own perspective, I totally relate with that. Like I came to it when I was 
finding life challenging. I had some things, big things were coming up for me emotionally, yeah. some yeah. like wounds that I didn't even, that I thought I could just deal with, but they just come flared up and all these insecurities were swirling up in me and this sense of what's my worth and all this stuff. And it was like, I was like, right, okay, something was pulling me to five rhythms and that's really like, just really helped on a big way. But, and then also just having a lot of fun doing it yeah i think some stuff can be like you know it's going to be helping you but i'm like i'm not like i never ever like think i don't want to go to the class yeah just because you know you there's so many things to get out of it. and one thing that's interesting that comes up for me then when you were saying about the benefits of it is around kids and school and the way i, I spoke with people quite re- regularly really about the school system and, and i know things are changing in, in some areas and some schools and stuff. But I think the way we teach kids and the way we, um, particularly kids that are the challenging ones, the ones that can't sit still, like when you're talking about chaos, you know, the, yeah. and, and I think a lot of this, when you think about with kids, like this, every child's got a different way of being, but if we attempt to just say, right, okay, sit down, come in at nine o'clock, watch someone and um, give you some information, which you may not be engaged in. Like I remember from school, the things that I enjoyed most about school was break time and lunch, pretty much. Yeah. And then I enjoyed art and yeah. maths, surprisingly. I love maths and making stuff. But yeah. everything else, I didn't really fit in. And I would rebel a lot as well at school. I got into, yeah. a, lot, I got into a lot of trouble um, in my teenage years. And I just think about this and that someone I spoke to recently, what they're introducing some different things into the curriculum in some schools. And I think how amazing it would be to have something like a five rhythms class weekly for, for kids, you know, it would be so transformational and so empowering for them as if they did that once a week for five years from the age of 11 to 16, that would just be, be amazing. Be quite an experiment, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's interesting. Yeah. The person I spoke to recently, they they piloted their program in one school. And, okay, yeah. And that's kind of like the approach. It's the same with I think people are trying to introduce mindfulness and meditation into schools. Sometimes it you know it gets piloted away, but yeah, I think I I find that just that feeling of that freedom. That's what I get from it, freedom. And when you're in there, wow, do you get some emotions coming up, like. Um, people who will know about it but when you go into chaos wow some stuff comes up and out and just to have that freedom to let it come out where if you're walking down the street and if you did some of the things that you did in the five rhythms you know some will be seriously worried about you <laughs> yeah exactly I actually did go to a school that had quite a lot of dance in it and it did really see me through secondary school. So it was just a comprehensive school. I was in Peterborough and uh, Cambridgeshire. And uh, I picked that school. There was sort of three schools within walking distance or whatever of where I lived. And I picked that school because they did a production of uh, The Wall by Pink Floyd as a dance production. Wow. <laughs> I went to see it when I was 10 and I was like, yeah, I'm coming to this school, you know. And in that, in that town um, city, in fact, in that city, that was the best uh, space for dance to be performed in was the, the theatre workshop in that school. So we would get any visiting dance companies would come to the school and would maybe put a workshop on for the kids as well as their performance. And we had a sort of dance club every week that um, 
would mainly begin with improvising things and then would set it and then eventually be performed. So it was quite different from what we do, but also had some quite similar elements as well. You know, there was in the improvising part, there was uh, a lot of room for that creativity and different people's ideas to come in and uh, connection with the music and everything. So I still very much thank uh, my teachers then, the Haywards and uh, the, you know, strange way that life aligned that I could have that situation as I went through secondary school, you know. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something I've seen be a great thing for some young people, you know, to find freedom in it. At the moment, so my daughter's 12 at the moment, and uh, if she ever comes to my things at the moment, then she's uh, she might do a bit of staccato and a bit of lyrical, you know, and the rest of the time she did just kind of like. <laughs> so I think it's quite different over time what you're interested in and what, what you can connect easily to. Um, she's more of a karate, karate kind of uh, martial arts girl. She go. loves the... Um, she loves the structure. I think in a way she loves the fact that you know nobody's going to come into your space, you know. It's like now we all do this and now we're all going to do this. And, you know, it's quite interesting uh, that what she craves is quite different from what I craved at that age. So we're always learning from our kids and from other people around us that are not, you know, however close we might be, they're still not quite looking through the same eyes as us, you know. So. It's a beautiful yeah. thing to be able to see the world in different ways yeah it is definitely a beautiful thing because often we can get wrapped up in our own thing thinking oh this is what everyone should do and yeah and that's especially maybe when you with your family or your kids growing up you're like oh well, this would be great for them and then you know they have different ideas and like i'm gonna t i'm gonna show you actually you know i'm <laughs> gonna go my own way and find my own path yeah. but what's interesting you're talking about that is like if that's school when you going back um to when you were, you know, a teenager, if that school yeah. wasn't available for you, you would have probably had a very different trajectory going forward. Exactly. And yeah. I think um, what's really important is like the arts over time have been getting diluted and there's not less of an importance, less of an importance on them. And it's, I think it's really important. I think maybe that's what might come out of this is that people will realize once they go back, you know, people are, kids are going to be struggling, you know, particularly teenagers, 15, 16, they just want to be with, the, I remember just being with my friends all the time. You know, you go from, I'd be in a school with 1,200 people to be in that type of school now and then go to just being at home with your mum and dad or just yeah. with your mum. That's going to be... Challenging. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to know now because obviously you can't with, with your daughter. Um, yeah, so I wonder how this might propel some more, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, exactly, yeah. But yeah, anyone who's interested in this and in, in this kind of practice can... And also it's become really... Would you say it's more popular now than ever? Five rhythms. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's still a bit patchy where where it reaches around the world, but it's very popular in a lot of places. And obviously, for some people during this global pause, they've been dancing online, and that's really worked for some people. For me, I haven't really found that to be an open door for me. You know, I don't. I'm missing the physical connection too much. Whereas for some people, it's just so much better than nothing that they're really loving it. And there's, there's some people who haven't got any classes or workshops nearby and who um, 
have actually found that this was a way a way in for them so there's some people who are discovering five rhythms right now um, in an online way and that's the way in for them and that's really suiting them well so i'm very chuffed about that so mark austin is the teacher in the liverpool and manchester who's been offering that on zoom uh, and there's a lot of other um, teachers that are offering it as well all sorts of versions from uh, like emma leach does a silent silent waves and then uh, some people are doing like in amsterdam they do um a a zoom waves every morning so it's like very interesting that different people are finding different things that suit them and getting a chance to try things out with different teachers if if that you know suits them and then also there's loads of teachers including me that have been putting music out on spotify on mixcloud that people can dance to at home and <clears throat> excuse me so i've been really dancing to a lot of uh, different people's five rhythms mixes and loving that 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 does really work for me and uh i've been enjoying putting putting some music out there as well and getting little messages back from people saying they've danced to that that day and what they like so it's definitely a lot of different ways of us staying connected to each other and also i'm hoping that um even if we're missing it a lot that that also just shows us that it's something that we do really value you know so we'll uh, enjoy it in what, whichever forms we get to try it again we'll be uh, valuing that I'm, I'm sure you know yeah that's definitely one of the things where i think from this prolonged period of you know a few months where you can really work out what you're missing because i yeah. think there's a difference between missing something and sometimes you just feel like you're getting pushed to do it or you feel like you should do it and i would have four four things on in a week in the evenings and I'm like there's no way that I'm going back doing all four of them like yeah. I, I actually am enjoying some more time to just be with me and to and to learn new hobbies at home and um and but yeah it's interesting but one thing I am fascinated by you mentioned to me that um so you're down in Cardigan now in West yeah. Wales and you've you know you lived there for a while and Wales is definitely a place that's fascinated me for a long time um I've been um, looking to buy a woodland for a while, particularly up in, in North Wales, um, you know, get a few acre site and build a cabin on it. Um, I've connected with a few people recently who will be interested in going in and buying the space between us. But it turns out that you've actually been living off grid yourself in the woods with your family for, for nine years. That's it. Yeah. So um, my partner, Joe, I don't think you've met. Um, he's quite a sort of, uh, he's almost like an Iron Age person, you know. <laughs> he's, uh, he's never happier than by the fire with the stars and a drum. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and so when we lived in Lancashire and we were living in a little house and bringing our son up, he was always really wanting to go live on the land somewhere. And at that time, I was the one who was sort of, bit resistant to that you know I, you know I want to be close to my class I want to you know I need to have a little office whatever you know and uh, when we eventually did go I would I seemed like the one who went feral you know <laughs> it, it just sort of uh, really brought out a very beautiful um, natural feeling in me that I could enjoy being much more connected to the seasons and the land so we lived uh, we bought a library truck you know one of those uh, like buses that used to be a library that went around different villages so they're great because they're all in insulated and sort of set up in a good way to convert you know 
So at that time, Amy was a baby, uh, four months old, uh, when we moved into that. And Jake was nine. And uh, we took him out of school. We home educated for a year and a bit. Uh, we were traveling around and looking for land to buy and then found a place to buy near here. Um, and we knew this was a very beautiful area because we'd got friends here. And uh, it is, I mean, really West Wales is, uh, you've got the sea, you've got the woods, you've got beautiful rocky outcrops, you've got rivers, you've got mountains, you know, it really is amazing nature here. And uh, so we bought a piece of woodland, uh, about 12 acres of woodland, and um, we first were there in that uh, vehicle that we'd been traveling around in. And there was a little cabin there that someone had put there, a bit like a shed with like a wood burner in it, you know. And Joe kind of extended it a bit with some windows and put an extra bit of room in here and stuff. <clears throat> and uh, like there's different ways to go with these things. We didn't have planning permission to live there full time. Uh, and the planning people were very good with us. They were, um, they were kind of, um, they would tell us what we needed to do next, but it's one of the good things that Wales is pretty slow, which might be annoying in some ways, but when you're not really in a hurry for people to want you to do things, then it's a real benefit, you know, that a year might pass before the next thing. And our main policy was always to um, get on really well with the, neighbors and locals and sort of uh walk our talk in a lot of ways i suppose you know to sort of be really involved <clears throat> um and uh so we lived there quite a long time but then when when the time came when the planning department said right now you really have to uh you have to put planning permission in now for something or else you'll have to leave and it just wasn't the right time for us to um to launch a whole new thing. It was, it was a bit of a grief time for us. Our son was just leaving home and uh, we'd had a young friend commit suicide who had uh, been to stay with us. And so there was a whole phase really, you know, there was a few seasons that was more about, you know, letting go and settling and recovering. And it wasn't all about like, right, let's do this big new venture. So it was like, okay, this is the wrong time for us. So let's just sidestep rent somewhere for a while and uh, see how it goes, you know. Uh, but it's still our land and uh, Joe's spending a lot of time there at the moment and we're spending some time there in lockdown. It's just very close by. And uh, one of the things about it is, uh, so we didn't have mains water there or electric. Um, so we would bring drinking water in uh, and then we would collect rainwater from the roof, you know. Um, and uh, we had batteries that could charge when we had windmill or panels working or whatever but we also it wasn't all about having loads of great tech that would make make things work off grid. we were really just using very little you know so uh we'd have candles a lot um it would be like um like there'd be a general feeling in the culture that all teenagers were just um you know playing computer games non-stop or whatever but Jake and his friends would all be sitting around the fire with guitars and drums, you know, and that was the way that they spent their teenage years, really, at our place and some other places nearby. 
and they they had a really great you know great teenage time in loads of ways and by the time they were in bands they they'd put their thousands of hours in you know like how to how to kind of have fun how to bring the best out of each other how to play different instruments and all of that you know and uh it certainly has a really strong effect i think on you when you haven't got just electric light on all the time and that kind of thing and when you've got um you know when you feel like it's winter and it's raining and you kind of you're going in and it's a beautiful thing really because it brings a different side of you out so i think for me it definitely grounded me on another level to be living like that for a long time but there's so many ways to live i don't think we should be kind of bound by our choices or dreams from the past and i don't want to feel like if i'm not doing i'm not living there full time at the moment that i've sort of let my past self down because now at the moment it's more about a way of living where i don't need as much time and physical energy but i do need a bit more money but i've been earning more money because i've been I've, I've had more time and energy to spend on my work and on being in a lot of places so I think it's also a great thing to to know that different choices can really be right at different times as well that's beautiful hearing that it's really really fascinating to because it's something that i definitely feel the call it's almost this call to get back to my roots and yeah to unlearn a lot of the things that have happened so we it gets passed on through society and it feels like that and did you i'm interested then to know so you had 12 acres and, yeah. and you've still got that space now. To, to, to what point is like the cabin at now? Is it, is it much bigger than what it was when you first appeared? It, how, what kind of, I'm just trying to get a picture of it. So we're not um, living in that now or anything. So that's now back to just being like a bit of a tool shed, you know, in a way. Um, and Joe's been making really lovely roundhouse you know, more like you could imagine sort of a magic temple kind of vibe in a way, you know. Uh, and it's nice because we have got an address now and we are living here in town. Then there's the pressures off the kind of um, that point of view. But he's been creating, obviously, out of uh, materials from the woods as well. So he's also made a bit of a, like, there's a beautiful platform uh, that I might think of as a dance floor. He might think of it as a stage and Amy might think of it as part of her adventure playground, whatever, you know, and we're, we're all kind of uh, enjoying the new possibilities in a way of how we use all of these things. And um, it's a very, um, it's, there's a couple of little streams that go through, just very little, but it's beautiful because it breaks up the landscape a bit. So you've got a kind of under canopy of hazel and willow, and then you've got beech and oak trees. Um, and they were cut down for the Second World War. So they're mostly like 75, 80 years old, these trees. So they've grown up together. So there's more of them that are sort of quite tall. Do you know what I mean? Because they haven't all got different ages growing there. Um, but there's a lot of variation there. There's, there's holly, there's uh, hawthorn and it's, it's a great thing to sort of slow down a bit into nature and get to know different individual trees and also species and what different kinds of, uh, you know, even which kinds of twigs are great to snap and start a fire and which ones you have to wait and put on afterwards, any of that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Would you have much like space, like clearing space to be able to grow food in there as well? Uh, at one point we were, we had a go at growing potatoes and stuff, but to be honest, it was like we'd moved into the wild with a lot of wildlife. So there's like, you know, a uh, lot kinds of mouse, squirrel, deer, badger, fox, a lot of birds. And so, you know, anything that was tasty to eat, they probably kind of like themselves. <laughs> and um, in a way, like that wasn't really our calling either joe or i i'm not saying never but it wasn't really our calling the more kind of gardening farming food sort of thing um it was more about you know uh the feeling of fire storytelling the wild you know living living there with nature so that was more our emphasis and the great thing about growing trees is that you can just totally neglect them and they're fine <laughs> They just grow anyway. So. The thing that calls me to it is it's around the idea of freedom, really, and free, freedom from a 20-year, 30-year mortgage and just to feel like, ah. But then I don't know whether I, there's a part of me that's just longing for that on a deeper level or it's just because of, of something else. But it's interesting. That's why I'm talking about it with some people about doing it i still want a base to be honest i don't think i could move into the woods full time because i've been used to living the way i have for 40 years yeah, but yeah. I, I love the idea of having somewhere i can go for weekends for extended breaks they almost become my holidays yeah um, exactly that's a beautiful thing it's like you know it's a it's part of your life that you can really enjoy and um i think uh, like we can be romantic about these things sometimes. And so I think the thing to know is that if you need to move firewood around, you need a bit of energy for that. You know, you need, you know, you need to be there with your wheelbarrow and, you know, the mud and whatever. It's uh, a certain amount of physical effort and time is needed. But then if that is filled by also being surrounded by bird song and, uh, you know, not having too much pressure on and all that. It can be really, really beautiful. So it's kind of a different, um, it's quite a different way, pattern of putting life together in a way, you know. So besides yeah. the deer and the mouse and all sorts, that would have been <laughs> your neighbours as such. What, who was yeah. your, you know, your human neighbours? How close were they? So there's, there were some other people further on in the woods, quite quite near and there was also some like uh farm you know a couple of farms and then just quite close a few other houses and things like that um so you know i mean it's surprisingly close to town but it's uh it was it, it had been part of an estate um so it was a it was an area of woodland sort of in between the road and the river that had stayed undeveloped you know um for hundreds of years so like i say it's a great area for wildlife and all that and uh it's very lucky to get a chance to be immersed in that <laughs> yeah. yeah totally i'm I'm just yeah i've got the whole vision in my head of how it all <laughs> so if someone was listening to this which is basically me asking it but in case i'm sure there's other people interested in it 
I know in Wales that it seems to be, from my understanding, there's more possibilities in terms of what you can do, in terms of what the government there or the councils will let you potentially do with a woodland. Like you can, I even heard that you could potentially, you wouldn't want to do this, but you could literally buy one and stick a static caravan on, as long as it, you said it was for woodland purposes, um, but maybe not live in it. But now that it's was just not necessarily quite as straightforward as that. It's so there's one set of uh, planning law or whatever you'd call it called one planet development that was begun in Pembrokeshire. That is one route that you could go down. I'm not sure if it's just in Wales. Maybe it is. Um, Maybe and so planet. for that, for that you have to. Um, there's quite a lot of information that you have to give about how you're going to um, earn the money that you need through being there on the land and what your environmental impact is and all of your life and uh, all of that kind of thing. You know, so some people are successful in that route through one planet development. So people could look that, that up. Um, another way is if you're not trying to live there full time, then that's very helpful basically because then you can have you can have some woods you can manage it uh it's it's quite a helpful gray area that obviously to manage woodland you need to be there some of the time and so it's fine to be there in your you know caravan or your tent or your little cabin depending you know uh and you have to sort of just weigh up the different possibilities really it's also I mean, it depends where you are like if you were in some woodland say in uh, the lake district then you'd be much more likely for people to complain quickly about you being there <laughs> and that would cause problems what i think is that if people complain then official people have to follow it up so ideally whatever you do just do it in such a way that no one complains is a great way in life in general <laughs> yeah yeah, no um, big um, all-night full moon parties. Yeah. Unless yeah. all the neighbours are into it. <laughs> exactly. Unless everyone on everyone else is next to us doing that. No, that's really fascinating and really interesting. And something that um, ties in with this whole good, um, do good theme of my podcast is I believe you also, you know, volunteer your time at a community uh, charity you know helping welcome Syrian refugees into the country that's it yeah it's um that's quite a recent thing in a way since I have got more time since I'm not living full-time in the woods um so we've got a charity here called Croso Tyvi which Croso is welcome in Welsh so um it's community sponsorship for refugees and there's community sponsorship schemes in quite a lot of places which is so brilliant because it means that a circle of people get together and between them help to put in place what's needed to welcome a family. And then the home office are really happy to allocate a family to that place and into that circle of support instead of the home office bringing a family to where maybe there's no support or no welcome for them, you know? So in a lot of ways, I think it's a really great way to do it. Um, so I'd, I'd seen a message that they wanted some more local friends for a second Syrian family in Cardigan. And I thought, yeah, I could be a friend, you know, and also I like the welcome thing. You know, I thought, yeah, I want I want them to feel welcome here. And I also want to feel 
kind of welcome and grounded in the place that I'm choosing to live as well. So with that second family that came, I've been babysitting for the little children while their parents are learning English. And so the children now are two, four and six. They're a lot younger than my kids who are 21 and 12, you know. Uh, <laughs> celebrity appearance there. Um, so that's been really great for me to spend time with the little children and to feel like I'm, I'm uh, connected with that. And uh, the mum, Enas, is, uh, she's writing a recipe book. So part of her learning English, we came up with this project that she's, she's writing a recipe book and illustrating it. So I've been helping a bit with the illustrations. And um, her and her husband just made a lovely feast for some uh, the staff at a local care home and uh, delivered it round as a thank you to all the key workers during this coronavirus time and that was a really lovely kind of good news story here locally you know because it's during Ramadan so they're not even eating for the day but they'd, they'd cooked this beautiful feast with garnished with all toasted almonds and you know delivered to everybody and the staff were really really happy about and uh yeah, so then I've been, I'm the coordinator then for the, the third team to bring a third family locally because uh, another charity got in touch and had heard about how well the scheme was working here and had offered us the whole money to settle a third family here. So that was very unexpected and great thing. So we were, I've just got a great team together and we, were, we got a place for them to live and we've got everything in place and a yes from the home office and then unfortunately obviously all refugee flights are stopped as long as everything else so everything's on hold at the moment but there's a little bit of my heart that's kind of with this family that are I mean we haven't actually been allocated a specific family but most of the families that uh, would fit into this category are in a refugee camp at the moment in Lebanon and um, are waiting really hoping for a new life and a welcome somewhere so I'm hoping that they can come in a while i mean one of the really inspiring things has just been that people who are given this chance for a new start and they've been through such difficult war and displacement and they they come along with with hope you know and good energy and gratitude and that's the energy that they're meeting the town with so they're getting such a good um it's such a good exchange you know it's very different from somebody who's arriving just feeling like they're, they've had a worse time than anyone else or something like that you know they're coming and they're they've got all this great energy to share you know so I think we really benefit from uh, their presence here and it's really not a very multicultural area here it's mainly kind of you know um, retired English people and Welsh speaking farming families and some kind of alternative families that have all been here for quite a while and that's the main mix uh, not very different cultures but then a few that are coming through now really add i think to the overall mix it's a great thing to be involved with well it is it's re really inspiring and just taking that story and telling about the syrian family making all the meals and stuff and what you know yeah. what amazing way to just um you know integrate yourself into it and i think there can some people the way things might get portrayed through the media there can be resistance to it and welcoming in but you know all human you know and we all have the same emotions and feelings and it can really help for particularly say in your place and Welsh people to 
just have a bit more empathy and compassion to like when you said that there was a family who were there, you know, in, in a refugee camp you yeah. know, to come, they could have been here two, three months ago. And you, you think whatever we're going through pales, you know, you know, compared to that. And they're just in bit in limbo that they're in a life thinking, when's my life going to start again? And in really challenging yeah. situations. Yeah. So. Maybe we could all relate to that bit more now, you know, <laughs> I know it's so yeah. it's so true, isn't it? I think that's one thing that's come from all this is that we're all, um, yeah, realizing just how connected we are and how like, I, we say about stuff in the past. I say this many times on this podcast and stuff. You know, you might see something happening. Say, say there's a a big tidal storm or something in a different country, and there's lots of people that uh, you know are uh, rehomed and lots of people lose their life just because you see it on news. You know, you you can have empathy but you you know how how much can you actually feel it but now on some level all 7.7 billion of us are pretty much feeling some sort of effect from this and from that that can be the shift that can be the wake-up call for for a lot of us um yeah so but yeah that's but that's really amazing to hear that and to you know the fact that you're doing what you've been doing with the dance is definitely doing a lot of good for people and helping them to move through a lot of stuff. And it's just amazing for you to have a passion like that, where you're able to, that's your living, that's your, you know, you can bring a, you know, a good income in from doing that, but it's something that you love and more people that listen to that all the time. It's like, and I just love it, you know, 25 years on, whatever. I still love every class. I, I just, it's such an amazing practice that there's, there's never a moment of being bored with it really because there's something new every time, you know, new combination of people, something coming through, some new improvised something or other, different music, all that. So I'm looking forward to getting back into it when I can, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you must definitely, even me has only been in it for about six months. I'm I'm craving to get back on the Monday nights. And I remember (laughs) we did uh, a, I think it was a winter solstice one in Manchester, which I went to yours, and that was the, the best, the best thing I've ever, one of the best things I've ever done, to be honest, in terms of like, yeah. um, so incredible. So I'm excited for that. One thing I would like to ask you, so I asked this all my guests, um, is, um, those you know you're doing good in the world. What is um, what advice would you give to other people that are looking to go out and do their own bit of good in the world? I would say uh, find something that really feels like it's already open for you. So you don't have to bang against a door that's closed and, you know, try and find the hardest way. What's, what's already open for you? What do you love? What do you already value in your life or already enjoy in your life? That can, is something that you can say yes to in a bigger way and, uh, you know, follow, follow what happens as you open that. I like that. I like that a lot. That's great. So if people want to connect with you in some way, what's the best way to do it? And also if someone is in a different part of the country or a different part of the world and they're interested in Five Rhythms, how can they find out about that? Yeah, good question. So um, you can look on fiverhythms.com. That should take you to uh, worldwide uh, classes and workshops and inspiration. And uh, I... Gabrielle Roth used to call me Raven Sister, so I've kind of gone with that. So my my website's alexravensister.com and on Facebook, uh, I've got, uh, what have I got? Maybe I've got Five Rhythms with Alex Mackay, but I'm Alex Raven Sister on 
Instagram and on Mixcloud and all that. So if you're looking for me, you can put Alex Raven's sister, you probably find it. But, you know, I'm sure you can follow follow through five rhythms. We, we often write it with the number five, but I'm sure you'd find it either way. So, uh, you know, and it's it's just one way amongst many, but it's a it's a very accessible way, I think, for a lot of people to step into their own creativity and change. So hope it hope some more people get inspired to give it a go. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And sure thanks, Rob. Thanks very much for the invitation. No, you're absolutely welcome. It's nice to um, I've been doing a lot more interviews on on the lockdown. I think it's just an opportunity for me to just talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, thank you, Alex. Really appreciate um, you being on the on the on the show today. And there is today's episode wrapped up with Alex. As you can tell from the episode, I've someone who's been um, interested in this and found the real benefits in dance and movement and uh, the power behind it. So I'm not really going to say any more besides that because you can probably tell my uh, enthusiasm about it in the episode. If you want to check it out, I'll include the show notes um, on my website so you can find out more about Alex and find out a little bit more about Five Rhythms and go from there really and if you've enjoyed this podcast please share it with a friend that'd be amazing and if you're watching it on youtube please again subscribe and you can hit that little bell button so you can get updates when new videos are about so you don't need to you know um worry about when missing one and yeah thank you guys really enjoyed um chatting with alex and hope you did too so until next time have a good one